pray that all our hearts would be stirred up to worship today as we continue to worship by looking at God's Word together. So if you guys would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Um, we are going to be in verses 31 through 46. Uh, Pastor might be a little bit mad at me because he's in the book of Matthew. And I don't know, maybe he's really excited to get to this passage, but I stole it from him. Um, we'll see. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. Let me read this to you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those who are on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would be with us this morning, God, and open our eyes up to truth. Um, God, I know this is a tough passage. I'm in a tough topic, but I think there are wonderful truths that you are trying to, to say to us here today. There's, um, it wasn't an accident that Jesus taught this teaching to his disciples um, and it's something that we need to learn and know as well. So be with us today. We pray that you would just um, be here, God, and open our eyes to glorious truths. Help us to see and understand and obey all that's here. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, uh, Jesus has been explaining the end times and describing them to his followers, right? That's what he's that's kind of leading up to, to this uh, passage on the judgment day and so he's he's told them a few things he's told them how they might know that judgment day is getting near right so he talks about like the the wars and the rumor of wars and all these things that are going to come um, he talks to them about uh, how hard it's going to get and, and the kind of sufferings and tribulations that are going to come and overall um, these two chapters can be summed up in one thing all of his teachings and all of his parables can be summed up in, in these few words be ready Right? That's what he's telling his disciples. He says, hey, this day's coming. Like it's a real day in history that's set in stone that only God the Father knows. And everyone needs to be ready for this day. And so as he kind of is closing out his teaching 
on the end times, his last message is another message of be ready for judgment day. And so what, what Jesus kind of starts off telling us in this passage is there, there's a day when all the nations will be judged by King Jesus, right? He's going to sit on his throne in, in fullness of glory, and he is going to separate people from one another as a shepherd would sheep from goats, right? Like, so Jesus is a good shepherd. He's going to put people um, to the right and to the left, okay? He's going to place them in two groups. And we do that all the time. Like, we, we uh, separate people in groups. That's, that's kind of the world we live in, right? So um, we do it with politics, right? There's Democrats and Republicans, right? And, and we think one, that one group's better than the other, right? The group we're in, right? Everybody thinks that. So we, we put people in groups like that. Um, we do it with uh, economic statuses and, and wealth, right? We say there's, there's those who are in poverty and then there's the wealthy, right? Or the poor and the rich, okay? Um, we, we do it with education and knowledge, right? We say there, there are the uneducated or the foolish people and then there are the wise people or the educated people. Um, we, we do it with nationality, all right? We say there are U.S. citizens, and then there are people who are not U.S. citizens, right? So we, we do this all the time. We, we push people in groups. And um, what Jesus is telling us here is on this day, none of those groups will matter, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, right? Um, it doesn't matter if you're a U.S. citizen or if you're some foreigner. On, on Judgment Day, there's going to be two groups. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. There's going to be two groups, and this is the only thing that matters. Are you on the right or are you on the left, right? Are, are you a believer who is saved by faith in Christ, or have you rejected Jesus? Okay, on Judgment Day, that's the only group that will matter because real separation is going to occur. A clear distinct, distinction is going to be made by King Jesus himself as he separates um, the sheep from the goats, okay? So this idea of judgment is found all over the Bible and it's found uh, really clear twice in Matthew. So Matthew 13, 30, um, when Jesus is speaking the parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus says this in verse 30, let both of them grow together until it is harvest time. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers to gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned but together the wheat into my barn. In Matthew 13, uh, 47, 50, just a little bit further down, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is thrown into the sea and all fish are gathered, every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and they sat down and sorted the good into containers, but they threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so in these two parables and, and in our passage today, Jesus is making the exact same point, right? There will be separation. And, and don't let the, the, the parable language confuse you, okay? It's not gonna be lambs and goats. It's not gonna be good fat, fish and bad fish or wheat and weeds. It's gonna be people. Right? It's going to be people that we know and people that we love who on that day are put in one of these two groups. That's the, that's the message that Jesus is um, giving his disciples in this passage. And on that day, Jesus is going to have two very different and distinct messages for both of these groups. He speaks first to those on his right. And this is in verses 34 through 40. So let's reread that together. So starting in verse... 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, 
Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. All right, so th- this is the, the message that um, Jesus gives to those on, that are on his right. And there's kind of three specific things mentioned, all right? So number one, Jesus gives them a title. He calls these people on his right side those who are blessed. All right. The second thing is their destination is mentioned. That's where they're headed. The third thing is why they're headed there. So let's look at those three things. Um, first, who are the blessed that Jesus is referring to? Okay, These are believers, right? So these are followers of Christ who have been saved by God's grace alone through faith in Christ. Right? That, like that's what we believe. That's what Ephesians um, chapter 2 says in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no man may boast. All right? So this is what we've been singing about all morning, right? Like there were like literally two songs in there that were talking about being in front of the throne. And all I've got is God's right, Christ's righteousness. Like that's, that's, he's my one defense, right? That, that's all I've got is who Christ is and what he's done. And I trust on, on him completely and his work on the cross, his, his life, death, his resurrection. That's my only hope. And, and that's true for the believer. So, so first of all, we want to say, those who are blessed, let there be no doubt in our minds that everyone who is on the right side of Christ will be there for one reason and one reason alone. They were saved by grace through faith in what Christ has accomplished with his life, death, and resurrection. And those people are called blessed, right? That's, that's the group on the right, those who are called blessed. Okay, second, he tells us where these blessed are headed. Okay, they're headed to dwell with King Jesus forever. Okay, so that's, that's what verse 34 says. The king will say on his right, come you who are blessed by my father to inherit the kingdom prepared for you men. I, I can't wait to hear those words, right? I mean, what beautiful words to, to be called to come to Jesus and scripture really unpacks what, what that means for us. In Psalms 11, it says to be drawn into Jesus is to be where there is pleasure or to be in his presence, there is fullness of joy and at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Revelations 21, four and five says, um, this is where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. For behold, he is making all things new. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, this is where the perishable will be clothed with imperishable and the mortal will be put on immortality. And the saying that is written will come to pass. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it tells us that when when we're with Christ, we'll see what no eye has seen nor ear has heard or um, heart of man is imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So on that day, those who, who are called blessed are going to be ushered into the kingdom of God, right? They're going to get to dwell with King Jesus himself for all eternity, right? Wonderful day after wonderful day after wonderful day, stretching on forever, okay? That is what is coming for those who are blessed. So that's the second thing that Jesus points to. All right, now let's get to the third thing. And this is where Jesus spends most of his time. And this is the part that that might even seem a little bit confusing. So why are they there? Okay, why have these people been placed in on the the right side of of Christ? Why are they in this group called blessed? Okay, now just a minute ago, I told you that everyone on the right side of Christ is there for one reason and one reason alone, right? 
faith because they trusted in King Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, okay? That's true, okay? That's what we believe, all right? That, that salvation is through Christ alone. So why then does Jesus give us this list of good works, right? That's what it looks like. Jesus gives us this really long list. He spends 11 verses, okay, looking at the things that people have done, their good works or the lack thereof. Why does he specifically look at their love for him and their love for their brothers, okay? Is Jesus saying that, hey, hold on here, there's, there's another way to gain entrance into heaven, all right? Yes, you can be saved through grace and, and faith and it's, it's all of God, but also there's a, a heavenly to-do checklist, right? Like, so if you do these things, that's kind of the back door to get into heaven, okay? So let, let's say, you know, you gave someone food, check, all right? That's pretty easy, right? Give them a drink of water, all right? Check, here you go, all right? So maybe you see a pretty girl that's not really naked, but she could use some more clothing, so, you know, give her your jacket, all right? Check, I did that one. I just need to stop by the prison on the way home, and, and I got my ticket to heaven. Like, is that what Jesus is saying? Obviously not, right? He, he's, he's not doing that. So why does he mention all the good works of his people? Okay, And it's because all just judgments are decided based on demonstrable evidence. Right? Like that's how, that's how courtrooms work. If, if you get convicted of something and you get, you get called to stand before a judge and a jury, they're going to look at some stuff, right? They don't just make a decision. They, they start pulling forth evidence. A case is going to be built up for or against you, right? Witnesses are going to be called, okay? Testimonies are going to be given. Questions are going to be asked and answered for everyone to hear. And all these things are going to be examined to determine the verdict, Right? All these things are going to determine what actually happened. And that's what's happening here on Judgment Day. King Jesus is sitting on his throne and he is going to examine everyone's hearts, right? He's going to open them and he's going to lay them bare. He's going to present evidences and he's going to look and see, okay? Motives are going to be exposed. Questions are going to be raised and they'll have to be answered and a verdict will be reached. So as he talks about those on the right, those who are called blessed, Christ himself is going to bear witness to their love for one another. He's going to present this as visible evidence of real saving faith in the lives of his people. Okay, that that means that those who are in Christ, if if they have really trusted him, if this saving faith is really there, they are going to bear fruit of love for their brother and love for God. That's why Jesus points to all these things. He's saying that will most certainly be there. So it's, it's their, their actions is the fruit that points to their faith. So that's what Christ is going to do on Judgment Day. It tells us this in James 2.12. James says this, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that say, faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, okay, notice that's exactly what Jesus talks about in our passage, Right? If the brother's in need, if he's lacking food or clothing, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them these things that are needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself does not, that does not have works is dead. Okay, so Jesus and James are, are making the same point. They're saying that a real living and active faith in Christ will produce real love for God and your brother. 
Like there, there's no in-between grounds. It has to be that way, okay? The two go hand in hand, okay? And so that is why on Judgment Day, King Jesus can collectively describe all believers the same because they all share this characteristic. They all share this trait of love for the brother and love for God. So he looks over them all and he says, these are my people. They love like me, okay? They love one another, and, they, and, and, and this love that they show and extend to one another, it showcases their love for me. That's what Jesus is saying over, over this whole group of people. Okay, this isn't the only place in Scripture that it says this. Okay, um, John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Right? So this, right after Jesus uh, washes all the disciples' feet, He says, I give you a new command. You ought to love one another. He says, this is going to be the mark of a believer. 1 John uh, 3.14 says, this is how we know we pass from death to life because we love our brother. The one who does not love remains in death. Just a few verses down in in, uh, 17, he says, if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Okay, he's talking, they're all talking about the same thing. Love for one another is is the mark of a true believer. All right, so what what does such love look like in us? Okay, How, how does it come out? Surprisingly, everything Jesus mentions seems really simple, right? Like that, that dude's hungry, give him a little food, right? Like that person's thirsty, like, all you got to do is give them a cup of water. Okay, that person needs some clothing or that person's sick. You just visit them, okay? So like, it's all really small stuff. Stuff that everyone in this room can do. Like, like really simple stuff, really practical stuff. What it is, is seeing the needs of others and meeting them. Okay, not, not from obligation, but from love, right? Like, oh, not like, oh man, this guy's thirsty. And I, but really like, man, I feel for that guy. He's my brother. And I want to take care of him, all right? That, that's what this is talking about. Real simple, practical love for our neighbor, love for our brother, okay? So, so who, who is our neighbor? Or where should we aim this, this Godward love towards others, okay? I, I just came up with a few categories. So first of all, um, you have people in your family who you can love, right? Okay, there, there are probably believers in your family who you can love, Okay, as a matter of fact, um, if, if you're a mother or father, like your, your best opportunity to show the love of Christ, the most amount of time you're going to have is being in your own household, right? Directing the love of God towards your children and to your spouse. Okay, so the, the love of God ought to come out of parents as they, they teach their children God's word. And the love of God ought to come out of husbands as they love their wives as Christ loved the church. And it ought to come out of wives as they, they serve their husbands, joyfully in love okay the the love of god should come out of uh, of you and it should extend to people in your church right are there believers in your church i hope so if not you should not be this church right so you you should you should look for opportunities to to meet the needs of other believers in your congregation okay and you may say well i don't i don't know anybody who's needy right like so um call up to the church office then and, 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 ask, and ask Melody or ask one of our pastors. Say, hey, are there any sick people who need visited in the hospital this week? Okay, there usually are, right? Hey, are there any widows who are homebound who need cared for? Are there any strangers who need visited? 
Okay, when it, when it comes to the ministry of, of showing brotherly love to people, like, promise me, like it never runs out. Like there's always something to be done in extending love to one another, okay? There's plenty to do. Have people over to your home, right? Be hospitable. Cook them a meal. Stop by and visit someone at work, all right? Ask God to give you a love for his people and then like look for real practical ways to show it to them. So these are just a few ideas, but even still, I think that the things Jesus mentioned here are still necessary for us, right? So in other words, I still think that we, we, when we see hungry people, we should feed them, right? And when we see, we see people who don't have clean water, we should give it to them. And when we see people who are lonely, we should visit them. I, I don't think we get out of those things um, just because we live in America, right? So you may look around this room and say, everybody's dressed real nice. Like, nobody needs clothes here. We, like, I've got lots of clothes, all right? Most of them don't fit anymore after Christmas, but, like, we've all got lots of clothes, right? And, and you may say, like, okay, look around the room. We all eat good, right? We, we've got donuts in there if you're hungry, right? Like, like we, we, we eat good, and, and none of us are really thirsty, right? And if so, we've got a water fountain on tap. So we may look around and say, like, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see those needs here. And, and so maybe what we need to do is lift our eyes a little bit, right? Search a little harder, look a little farther, okay? Let our love for our brother leave our own homes, right? Leave our town, leave our country, and, and look around the world. Because here's the truth. There are millions upon millions of people who do have these needs, who are brothers in Christ, who are hungry and thirsty. And, and we have the ability to help, right? Like, so, so quite honestly, like, in India, clean water is a real problem, right? And so most of us could do far more than give a cup of water. We could drill a whole water well that would supply water to thousands of people. Okay, some of them brothers and some of them lost, but we could, we could do something about it in a real big way. Okay, if, if, you, want to, if you want to feed the hungry, man, there are, there are tons of organizations who do that very thing, Right? Okay, or, or you, can, you can bring food up here to our food pantry, right? If you want to provide shelter for someone, like we just built a homeless shelter, right? We, we still need to pay it off. Like, like there's ways that you can do this practical love for your brother that Jesus is talking about. Man, our, our church is doing this. I'm thankful to say that in Thailand, Romania, India, the Czech Republic, Guatemala, North Africa, here in our own town, um, man, we, we are loving our brothers. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, I get to see this as a pastor all the time. I get to see like people who open up their homes and they're hospitable, right? They like cook meals and um, they, they bring them to you. That happened to Whitney and I a lot this week. So we just had our baby and man, lots of people brought us food. That, that, that was the love of God coming out of them, right? And so oh, I see this all the time in our church. I, I see people who give generously to missions and people who, who go and they make disciples, Okay. These things and many more happen all the time in our church. And so, first of all, I, I want to rejoice in that and praise God for that. I, I do believe that we're a church that has love for their brother. But then I also want to say this. Let's do more, right? Let's not grow weary in doing good, okay? Like, it's great that we've done these things, but, but man, let, let's, let's seek. How, how can we be a church that is just lavish in love towards one another, Right, lavish and in love towards our brother. Let's be a church that's known for our love for God and our love for one another. Okay, the life of God's people have to be made up of, of such things because the life of Christ was. 
right? Consider his whole life and ministry. Can it not be described in the word love? Like, like really, like, that's, he, like he leaves glory, he leaves heaven, he comes down to sinful, broken earth, knowing he's going to be despised and rejected and murdered, and, and all that he does is love for the good of us, right? Man, like, that, that's, that's what he does. He's, he's, he's feeding the hungry, right? We, we see him do that. He's, he's, it, when, when he preaches the good news of the kingdom of heaven, he's doing that in love. When he walks to, to Calvary, he's doing it in love. Right when, when he's staked to a cross, when he suffers and dies, it's done for love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? And so if Christ's whole life and ministry and even his death is marked by love, and we say we're following that guy, shouldn't our lives look the same? Shouldn't, shouldn't they be characterized by this, this kind of love for others? The, Christ, the life of Christ was. So that's, that's the first thing that Jesus addresses to those on the right. And that's, that's what he says concerning their love for um, their brother and how that's evidence of their faith that's rooted in him. But there's a second group in the parable, right? Okay, and this one is not as fun or not as cheery. Maybe you're saying that first part of the sermon wasn't very fun and cheery, okay? But anyways, this, this next group Jesus addresses in verse, uh, verses 41 through 46. And this is what he says. So then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they will answer and say, when? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? And then he will say to them, truly, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So in, in these verses, 41 through 46, we really see everything that Jesus just said that was good and lovely and wonderful flipped completely upside down, right? The, the message is really the exact opposite. He gives them a title too, but it's not blessed, it's cursed. Right? That, that's the title he gives to those who have rejected God and said, I don't want anything to do with you or your love or your people. He calls them cursed. Their destination is different. All right? they're, they're not being called into the presence of King Jesus. They're being sent away from him, away from the fullness of joy, away from eternal pleasures, away from all that is good and lovely, away from the life and light of men to a place of death and darkness and to eternal punishment. And why are they headed there? Okay, Because on judgment day, okay, when, when, when court was in session, when King Jesus said over them, when he, when he called witnesses and when he, when he looked for evidence of their faith in their life, none was found. He says, there's no faith here. There's no love for God. There's no love for others. And then he hands down the verdict and the punishment. So why does Jesus tell us these things, okay? Why does he, he speak such hard truth to his disciples and to us through scripture, okay? Why does he focus on such a scary day for two chapters of Matthew that he carves out to, to teach to us, okay? And, and I think it's just like what we said in the beginning, just like he's been saying through chapter 24 and 25, he wants us to be ready, right? Like, because this, this is a real day that's coming. Like, it's a real day that we'll all have to stand before King Jesus, and he wants us to be ready. 
Most of us probably spend very little time thinking about eternal, eternal things, right, and judgment day. We're, we're really consumed with the here and now, right? Like that's, that's what predominantly gets most of our thoughts day in and day out is what, what's happening this week, what's going on today or in this moment. And a lot of us could, could do some good to think more about forever. So, so here for just a few minutes, I want us to think about what Jesus' words really mean. For, for us and for others. So as you read this text, as we've looked over this, what does judgment day mean for you? All right, you specifically, where will you be? Okay, where, where will, will Jesus put you, the right or the left? Philippians 2 tells us that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, one day we're going to stand before King Jesus on his throne and he is going to expose our heart and motives. Like that, that's a real day that's coming, okay? So might I suggest that you let him do that now? Right, like better now that you, you say, God, search my heart. Show me if there's any real faith. Like, do I, do I really honestly love you? Maybe I need to look at my love for my brother, right? Maybe I need to see if I have such a heart that, that has compassion, that cares about my brother and sister. Or am I all self-centered? Is it all about me? We, maybe right now, today, what you need to do is have God, okay, Judge your heart today. Let, let him have access to that and make it known to you today because today is not judgment day or not in this moment anyways, right? There, there's, there's time to, to trust in Christ, to believe in him. There's time for, for the spirit to do work in your heart. So we should first ask, what does this mean for me? We should also ask, what does this day mean for my friends and family? Okay, verse 32 of our passage says that on that day, he will separate the people from one another. Okay, people we know, people we love, people we work with. Okay, on that day, there are going to be wives separated from husbands. Like, like that's, that's for real coming. There, there's going to be parents that, that are sent to the right while their children are sent to the left. Okay, co-workers and, and family and childhood best friends are going to be separated and put in two different groups. And, and the, those who have tr- trusted in Jesus, those who are called blessed, and those who have rejected him, those who are called cur- cursed. Um, I know that's not fun to think about, right? Like, we, I, I, don't, I don't get a lot of joy from thinking about um, some of my friends from high school who I'm almost certain are in the group of cursed. Like, I, like that doesn't excite me. I, I don't get a lot of pleasure um, of thinking about some of the guys that I play basketball with on Sunday nights who are gonna be separated from the love of God forever or people I've worked with or, or some of my best friends, okay? I don't get pleasure in thinking about that. So why, when, when we think about these things, do people come to our minds? I'm sure that as we've been talking about this, God has brought people to your minds, Right? Like, like, you know people who, who are probably going to be in that group. What's, what's going to be done here? Charles Spurgeon says this, If sinners be damned, or as our passage says, if sinners be cursed, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they're going to perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. In other words, if you know someone who is perishing, do something about it, right? While there's time, go tell them. Tell them, tell them the good news of the gospel. Tell them who Jesus is and what he's done. Tell them where life is. Tell them how they can be part of this group that's called blessed. They can be found in Christ. Tell them, tell them about what he did on the cross. And I took every wicked, broken thing they've done. And he paid for it with his own blood. 
so that they have the right to be children of God. Tell them about that. That's what Romans 10, 14 says. How then are they to call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, man, first of all, like, if, if, if God lays someone on your heart today, go tell them. Go tell them who Jesus is. Go tell them what he's done. And the other thing that Spurgeon said is we should pray for them earnestly. Man, let's, let's beg and plead and ask God to move on, on their behalf. A- ask him to be merciful. Ask him to be patient. Ask him to give you opportunities to, to speak to them and tell them of the love of Christ. Because that's what Christians do. We're people who are, are marked by love for others. Okay, I, I, know, I know in this passage it, it specifically mentions love for the brother, but man, look at the whole of Scripture. It's love, period, right? Okay, that, that, that's what, what Christ says in the, the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about loving your enemies. He says, if you do this, you'll be called children of your father because he loves those who are wicked and mean and who reject him. Okay, And we ought to do the same thing. And so, Lincoln, let, let's be a people of love. As we leave here, let's be a people who are marked by the love and compassion of Christ. Always looking at Jesus as our example, right? He's the one who got it perfect, okay? We mess up, okay? We do do not love perfectly, okay? Not one of us in here. And so um, we we have to look to Christ and remember that we are saved through faith and grace alone. But that that faith in Christ, that that love of Christ that's in us, it's going to come out. And we should aim it straight at our brothers and straight at those who are lost. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you and we thank you for loving us. You know, you've been so kind and so patient with us. And I, I pray that you would just fill us with your love today. God, I know sometimes we get distracted and sometimes we, we get um, our, our mind kind of thrown off and, and we don't do what we ought to. But you're gracious, you're patient. The Bible says your mercies are new Every morning, this is a new year full of new mercies. And let this be a year of love for our people, love for one another, love for you. Love that goes beyond our homes to to the world, God. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for Jesus and all that he's done and all that he is. In your name we pray, amen.